March 12, 2020. Commissioner Rob Manfred today announced that MLB has decided to suspend spring training games. This is an unprecedented day. May not see baseball until May. Everybody's trying to get this game back. We're looking at the broader issue. Ready for whatever. I talk to a lot of guys across the league, and they're all thinking the same thing. Is this, is this going to work? There is no roadmap to navigate this. I love baseball, but I got to do what's right for my family sometimes. And baseball agreed to have a season. Safest and most cautious way to get through a season. There are enormous concerns that they're going to be able to pull off the health and safety protocol. There's a lot of questions. I just want to play baseball, so if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. It's going to be fun. You got 60 games. You got to try to win all. Welcome to the Baseball Show. I'm happy to be back. Presented by the Goose Island Beer Company. This is the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the new ESPN Chicago app. Welcome in to the baseball show right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN MLB show. Glad to have you with us on this Thursday. And let me give you now my first pitch. So my first pitch is the big question on the table regarding the Chicago Cubs and their future. One of the things we think about with Cubs baseball, I think it's very simple. You want to know whether or not the Cubs can get back in the playoffs and whether or not they can win another World Series under the tutelage of Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer. I always thought that as soon as the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, that the Cubs should be able to hit that bell twice, win the World Series at least a couple times because of the veteran latent team, the money that was spent, uh, and the commitment to winning from Clark and Addison. Remember, I, I grew up watching Chicago baseball on both sides of town and reading those columns and knowing the salary structure uh, for both sides of town, especially on the Cubs side. And it was just, there was really no commitment to winning enough for the Cubs to be a viable contender year after year. But with Theo Epstein in place and with Jed Hoyer in place, I think that the Cubs always have a chance to compete. Even when the Cubs fell short, the last couple of years under Joe Madden and then that third place finish, which ultimately was the undoing of Joe Madden as a Cubs manager. I still look at the Cubs as a, as a contender, even with these 60 games that we're going to have here for this upcoming season. I still believe the Cubs are contenders, but here's the thing. It's one thing to be a contender. It's another thing to be able to look very closely at what the Cubs will be like in the future. Two of the big cogs to this Cubs team is Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. And we've got to talk about not only the present, but the future for both of these guys. Both of these players are stars. I see Javi Baez, and I love the swagger, how he slides into bases, how he slides in the home plate. How he's got that quick tag when he's playing the infield. He plays with a flourish. He plays with a flair. And I like that because baseball does not have to be same old, same old. It's okay to have a little bit of flair. Have people come to the TV, come to the ballpark to see you play. And watching Javier Baez, Baez, he plays with that flair that I really like. But we also have to be able to look at Baez for not only now, but the future. Signing a one-year, $10 million contract with the Cubs, including $10 million guaranteed and an annual average salary of $10 million. In 2020, Baez will earn a base salary of $10 million while carrying a total of, as I mentioned, $10 million, and his UFA is 2022. So, 
that's the the bottom line on Javier Baez. What is his future? 2022 becomes a free agent. Now, it seems obvious to me that because Javier Baez has been playing terrific baseball, I don't even think we've seen the best of Baez just as of yet. He's one of these players that you want to come to the ballpark to see. And also, that type of guy that uh, is can be box office, have that appeal that people say, you know what, I'm going to see the Cubs, but I know Baez is going to do something special. As we talk about Baez and Bryant on the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So on the other side is Chris Bryant, right? Chris Bryant signed a one-year $18.6 million contract with the Cubs, including 18.6 guaranteed. There's always been questions about whether or not Bryant is going to be around or whether he's going to be traded. I talked to Jesse a lot uh, about this last year, and Jesse was telling me and telling all of us here at ESPN 1000 that there might have been a deal on the table here or there. Some teams were asking about Chris Bryant. And I understand that in this advent of free agency that we've lived through for so many years that players can't stay with one team forever. I mean, anytime that you do see one player stay for a long period of time, it's a surprise because there's always more money to make. There's more opportunities for you to win. And when you see the Cubs now, if the Cubs don't make the playoffs, if the Cubs are not a real contender over the next few years, you can understand why some of these veterans would go someplace else and the Cubs would rebuild. But I just think that the lion's share of this roster tells me that the Cubs, especially in these 60 games, should, as I said last year and last couple of years, should contend. But the big question is, what is the future for the Cubs? Is it Bryant or is it Baez? That's our poll question on our, our Twitter page at ESPN MLB show. If you had your druthers and you had to choose one or the other, who stays and who goes? you got to be able to pay both of these guys. Someone's going to pay Bryant. Someone's going to pay Baez. Could they both go? Could they both stay? How do you see it? Who's more expendable to you? Tyler, we can open the phone lines, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Who seems more expendable to you? Is it Chris Bryant, who was part of a championship team just like Baez was in 16, or is it Baez? Both players are solid for this team, but one may have to go. Now, let's talk about how Baez and Bryant both feel about the contract situation. So Baez talked today about his contract situation. And so um, he was uh, talking to the press today. The question was posed, does he wish he signed a contract already? Everybody wants to get paid. Um, but we got we to gotta wait for the, for the right time. You know, obviously we, we, we both in, in each side, we're going to see and we're going to know what's, what's right for, for each other. Um, I'm not. I'm not in a rush. I'm obviously right now worried about getting back to the field and 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 playing regular games. Obviously, trying to win this this season that that is going to be so weird. But you know, obviously, with, with this happening right now, it's it's going to change everything. It's going to change. It already changed 2020. It's going to change the next two years. I think. Baez also was asked, "How's the looming contract impacted his decision to play?" Not really. I mean, I feel like everybody's dealing with the same thing. Um, you know, some some of them got got contracts, some of them don't. Um, but like I said, I'm I'm not in a rush. I'm I'm just worried about you know the team right now and and to win to to win this 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 year and and see what happened from from here on. You know, obviously I got one more year in in, in arbitration. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they they know me. Um, everything. I'm I'm pretty sure everything knows me and know know what I can do. So, 
I'm I'm not in a rush and just just to see what happened this season, how 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 does it go for me, you know, with these sixty games and and ready for next season. We'll see. It definitely is on his mind. And as I mentioned before, when I'm looking at both of these players, Chris Bryant has been the one that's really been in a lot of um contract questions and whether or not he's going to be traded or not. That has really been kind of been swirling around Chris Bryant's head. And again, I like both players very much. So I really believe that when we see Chris Bryant over at third base, he's as good uh, as solid as a third baseman as Ron Santo or Bill Madlock or Ron say, or Ramos Ramirez or whoever else has been over at third base for the Cubs. And I love cornerstone players love the homegrown players that can be able to be part of a ball club. But we know that it can't be that way forever. But I, I really want to be able to hone in on this with you regarding these two players, because whatever the Cubs decide to do, that tells you a great story about what their future will be. It's one thing to say, well, Baez is going to be our guy and we're just going to build around him. Well, in for the modern day Cub fan, Cub fans do not want to sit around and wait for a rebuild after you win a World Series championship and have some success with Madden. You can't go backwards as a franchise. Whether Theo's here with the Cubs after 2021, if if Jed Hoyer's with the Cubs after 2021 or not, I have no idea. But you know that you're in the mix at the very least. You're not a doormat anymore. Because of the amount of money that has been spent around the ballpark, because the, the Cup fan has changed over the years and smells a championship and smells success, you can't go backwards as a franchise. So if I had my druthers and I had my choice between Bryant and, and uh, Baez, I think it would be Baez that would have to stay. Um, because Bryant, what can you get from Bryant? You could be able to get um, young players, something the Cubs can really use as far as our farm system. They could do that. Um, but Bryant was asked just recently about whether or not he's worried about being traded. I would like it not to be a concern. I would like to, to think that I, I wouldn't be shipped out in the middle of a pandemic. You know, but I, I, think I've, I think I've made it, I'm trying to make it clear in that, I really love it here and I love playing here and I love everything about the city and, and the people and the people in this clubhouse and, you know, all around, you know, I've, ne I've never not wanted to be here regardless of whatever has happened in the past or whatever people have perceived about, you know, my situation or based on just because I have a superpower agent or this and that, like I'm, I'm just Chris. I, I like playing here. I like playing baseball. I like running hard to first. I like giving my best at bat out there. And I, I just hope people could appre can appreciate that. Chris Bryant and that uh, superpower agent. So much of Scott Boris from the Boris Corporation. Of course, that is his guy. And you know that Boris is always headstrong to make sure that his guys get paid. So you look at the salary structure and 2019 was 12.9 million. I gave you what's happening for 2020. But once again, it's about free agency and it's about what could happen. I, I just... I like Chris Bryant and I like Baez. It's a tough question for me, but I think that Baez probably is going to be here for the longer haul. How much money will he be paid? I have no idea. But if you had your your choice of Bryant or Baez to stay, which one would you choose? 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our telephone number. Coming up next, we will get your reaction to Baez versus Bryant. 
Which player do you like best? Who do you think is going to stick around for the Cubs? I also will get your answers on Twitter as well at ESPN MLB Show. 312-332-ESPN for you, the Cub fan, regarding both of these players, Baez and Bryant. You heard from both. Now we're going to get your reaction to it as well. Also coming up next, we talk about the Major League Baseball schedule for 2021. What? Next on TBS. This is the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Cubs, socks, and so much more. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. If you missed any of our previous episodes of the Baseball Show, you can check them out on the ESPN Chicago app. Just click the tile that says the baseball show and you're in. Also, extra interviews uh, on there as well. Conversations about the great game of baseball right there on the ESPN Chicago app. You can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN MLB show. Jesse Rogers, by the way, will stop by the Under the Hood show with me coming up at 730. He'll give us an update live from the ballpark, his thoughts on uh, everything else uh, Chicago Cubs. But if you're just joining us, we're talking to you about the choice of Baez and Bryant. And I really like both players a lot. When we take a look at uh, Chris Bryant last year, 31 home runs, 77 RBIs uh, as uh, looking at his uh, splits and looking at his, at 282, 382, 521 slugging. His OPS was 903. I mean, five years, watched him since he came to the league in 2015. And I like him as a cornerstone player. But we do realize, as we live in reality, that Scott Boris is his agent. He's going to want the moon and the stars. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, because, again, it shows a commitment. But the same thing with Baez. I mean, I'm asking you if you had a choice between one of the two, because I'm not sure that both will stay after 2021, 2022. If the Cubs fall short like this upcoming season, you could clearly see maybe the Cubs pairing back payroll, trying to get younger, and who knows what the Cubs look like in the front office because Theo Epstein's contract's up in 2021 as well, which again, it's just, that doesn't make any sense to me. That guy would have as long contract as he wants if, if, the Cubs get to the World Series. They win the World Series. Theo and Jed are a big part of that. And he doesn't get a contract extension. I mean, a long, long contract extension. I don't get that. We'll get to the uh, schedule for the Cubs and Sox in just a moment. But I want to get your thoughts as we're totally interactive on this show. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Marco is in North Riverside on the baseball show on ESPN 1000. Hey, Marco. Hey, sorry to come in and have no uh, decision on this because I – don't want to have to choose. Did the Yankees have to choose between Jeter and A-Rod? No. The Ricketts are building this empire with this TV network, the hotels, the area around, everything's more expensive. What's the line from the movie Rounders? Pay that man his money. Give it to them both. Let's win championships with homegrown guys that we got to pay a billion dollars to, and let's do it. Let's do it. The, diff- the difference between Ricketts and Steinbrenner is Steinbrenner does not mind spending money. And the difference, is, and you've heard Ricketts on the record talk about how there was a, an issue financially where as soon as the uh, the Tyler Chatwood, you Darvish deals came through and the Cubs didn't win a, a ton with those two, you know what happened? He cut the water off financially. Where, where's the big move in the offseason for the Cubs? So, so you know, you, you, know, you right? 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But you have to change your thinking if it's not going to work. You have to change your thinking. What are they, you really think that they're going to be able to afford to put butts in seats and pay for all the renovations and things that they did if they're out there not winning the division, if they're out there not making it to the NLCS? We, there's another team in town people would like to go see that are young and homegrown and have a shot. I appreciate your phone call, Marco, but you know that's not how it works in this city. <laughs> if, yeah, I mean, I, I know you're not like uh, today years old. You know, and because you've been watching baseball as long as I have probably and know that uh, the, the ball club could be mediocre and yet people will find a way to get to Wrigley Field. Uh, when we get back, if we get back to normalcy, which when we w- will get back to normalcy, you know what will happen, and that is fans are going to want to be at Wrigley Field. They want to be uh, seeing that ballpark, uh, and whether it's people from our city or outside the city, they will pack that ballpark because it's the Cubs. So, so the the thinking that the White Sox are a up and coming team, yeah, that's that's one side of town. But Cub fans are from all over this country and around the world that want to see Wrigley Field, and if they can, they'll see it, no matter if the ball ball club is good or bad. That's been proven out over the years. Uh, you might get some no shows here or there, but someone's going to fill them. Three one two three three two ESPN. Marco leaves line open for you uh, about Baez uh, versus Bryant. His his, I think that. Our last caller and his point is well taken. You should not have to choose. You should be able to pay for both. But when Ricketts decides that, no, you know, we're paying a lot of money now. We have to make sure that we are more financially conscious. Now, that gives me the creeps of the Tribune Company. That gives me the itches of the, of, um, you know, of uh, the Wrigley Company, the way that they were handling their finances. And that, and in, in 2020, when you're a major market, you should not worry about finances to that extent. But I've got a feeling that there is going to be a line drawn in the sand on whether or not it's going to be Baez or Bryant. And I think Baez is going to win. He's a draw. He's a terrific player. So is Bryant. But we continue to hear those question marks about Bryant and whether or not he's going to be with the ball club for the long haul. Uh, and again, I like both players, but I think there's going to be a choice. I'm asking you to make that choice. Bryant or Baez for the long haul for the Cubs. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. So let's take a look at um, the schedule. You know, the schedule is out for 2021 WTF. I mean, I didn't expect that at all, right? The schedule just came, that's kind of dropped in our laps here on July 9th. Well, let's take a look inside the uh, Cubs and Sox schedule. So the annual crosstown series between the Sox and the Cubs includes a pair of weekend three game matchups on August 6th through the 8th at Wrigley Field and August 27th through the 29th at guaranteed rate. It's going to mark the first time in the last seven years that the teams will play six games in back-to-back years. On opening day for the Sox, it's going to be Thursday, April 1st at Los Angeles against Madden and the Angels. Opening day is part of a seven-game West Coast road trip at the Angels, April 1st through the 4th, Seattle, April 5th through the 7th. The Sox opened the season against the Angels for the first time since 93. Following the season opening uh, seven-game trip, the Sox will go to guaranteed rate field, come home with a seven-game, eight-day homestand, including the home opener against Kansas City on April 8th. Following an off day, they'll play on the 9th. Then they'll conclude the series against the Royals from uh, April 10th to the 11th and take on the Indians April 12th to the 15th. For the Cubs, they're going to open up on April 1st at home against the Pirates. Why? Why is either team in town? 
in April. You know what this is going to be, right? <laughs> you you know there's going to be some snow out or some rain out in early April. Why are the Cubs here? They should be someplace else, either in the south or out west. But they're going to open up against the Pirates. Interleague play uh, play features the American League Central again, and the Cubs wrap things up in St. Louis on uh, October 1st through the 3rd. The Cubs are going to play the Brewers nine times in their first 24 games Twice at Wrigley Field. That's a lot of games against the Brewers. That'll tell a story, won't it, in 2021. Um, the Cubs embarked their first road trip of the year uh, against the same two clubs as their six-game, seven-day trek includes a pair of three-game series against the Pirates and Milwaukee. Let me take a look at this closely here. Yes, yeah, so that'll be an opportunity for Cub fans to take over Miller Park again. Uh, April 12th to the 14th at Miller Park. Then against the St. Louis Cardinals at Bush 21 let's see May 21st 22nd 23rd um that's going to be interesting for Cubs fans to go to St. Louis and see the Cubs against the Cardinals and as I mentioned the Cubs against the Sox uh August 6th 7th and 8th at uh at Wrigley Field so that should be uh a lot of fun and again this is a tentative schedule as you well know but it's just it's fascinating that this schedule just kind of dropped in our laps out of nowhere. Like I didn't, I didn't expect the 2021 schedule to be out there, but it is fascinating to be able to cross check your schedule for 2021, your vacation time, where the teams are going, especially if the Cubs or Sox are on the road, maybe checking them out. Uh, if you're a Sox fan, and if it does happen in early April where the Sox take on the angels, that's a nice California trip for someone. That'd be really nice. Uh, and then taking on Seattle after that. And as I mentioned, the Cubs, with them being at Milwaukee and against the Cardinals, um, 12th, 13th, and 14th in April. And then, and of course, that's indoors, so that's fun. And taking over the ballpark. And then the Cardinals uh, in May, some nice um, road trips. And also an opportunity to see your team either at home or on the road. So check out those schedules on Sox.com and Cubs.com as well. We will crack open the Major League Baseball notebook coming up and take more of your phone calls. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. Also hit us up on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. Baez or Bryant, if you had to choose one or the other, who's staying, who's going? The reason why this is a thing is because contracts are coming up pretty soon and the Cubs have to make a big decision. What would be your decision? We'll get your reaction. Also open up our major league baseball notebook, especially if you love first baseman, you'll love this coming up next on TBS. The baseball show with Jonathan hood. Catch up on your time. Click the baseball show tile for the podcast on the new ESPN Chicago app. The baseball show presented by goose Island beer company. On ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for being with us on the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. 70% of you on Twitter at ESPN MLB show say Baez should be with the team for the long haul. So 70-30 so far in favor of uh, Baez. We're going to have five for five coming up as we give you five topics in five minutes. We got stuff on maybe Joe West and you have something in common, the uh, longtime umpire in baseball. We've got first baseman. We've got uh, fantasy news. It's all part of our MLB notebook. Jay Hood's MLB notebook. So let's start here with first baseman, right? Buster Olney had a really nice piece on ESPN.com. Buster Olney's top 10 first baseman. 
and you say, ah, it's first baseman, right? So what's the, so no, it is interesting. And here's why. Um, last year, the Dodgers led all teams in war generated at first base at 6.4 without really having an everyday first baseman. The Dodgers aren't alone in this practice, of course. League-wide, the percentage of plate appearances by a team's primary first baseman has steadily declined. In 1989, the stat was 76%. Again, we talk about league-wide primary first baseman. 76% of first basemen were primary in 89 72% in 99, 71% in 2009, in 2019, 65%. What happened to the first baseman that would be over there for 162 games? In the cold and the heat, he'd be there for you in the postseason. So here's the list of first basemen. Number one is Freddie Freeman. Of course, Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves, among other Braves, uh, tested positive for COVID-19. But you love Freddie Freeman when he's up and running because he had a 306 average, 38 homers, 33 doubles, 117 RBIs, and was on the edge of the MVP conversation in the National League. Pete Alonso, who I think is going to be the best first baseman uh, in 2020. Alonso for the Mets. He had 15 more home runs than any other player in the position. Only Freeman and Jose Abreu of the White Sox had more RBIs. Rizzo is third on this list. Rizzo mustered the highest on-base percentage of his nine-year career last season at 405. Um, he holds a $16.5 million option for 2021. Keep your eyes on Rizzo as another player that's is either going to stay or go as far as the future for the Cubs. Carlos Santana of the Indians is fourth in this list as far as first baseman. He slugged 34 homers, 110 RBIs, reached base at a 397 clip. Matt Olson of the Athletics is fifth on the list, finished with 36 homers, an adjusted OPS plus of 137. Pretty solid. Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals. Check these numbers out. Goldschmidt is awesome. First year with the Cardinals in the first year of a long-term deal uh, was an inconsistent grind, and it reflected his month-to-month OPS. So his OPS in April, 753. May, 745. June, 583. July, when it got really hot, 1.085. In August, it went from 1085 to 705. In September, it's 953. So... I look forward to seeing what his approach is uh, for 2020 and beyond. Uh, in the end, the Cardinals got what they wanted, though. They were able to win the National League Central, and Goldschmidt played 161 games and hit 34 home runs. Josh Bell of the Pirates is seventh. Guriel of the Astros is eighth. Jose Abreu of the White Sox is ninth. Let me stop here. Jose Abreu, uh, one of my favorite players on the White Sox because, to me, he is just the modern-day Canerco that's going to be with this team for a while. Maybe he's going to be a DH for the in the near future, but he posts up and plays in at least 154 games in four of the past five seasons. 154 games in 2020 in this era, that's a ton of games. And he's pretty much a lock to master about 30 home runs. Uh, Brayu has 611 RBIs in six seasons in the majors, including 123 last season. Joey Votto, and we know how good he is. I mean, he's he's 10th. Solid player for the Cincinnati Reds. So, that I mean, think about first baseman. We always just assume oh, whoever's at first base from there, let them stretch out, get that big stretch, ah, get the stretch and be able to you know, catch the ball over at first base. But there's some really quality first baseman in the big leagues. As we go through our notebook of the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000. So, 
did you know that maybe you have something in common with umpire Joe West? Joe West uh, has had some interesting things to say about the coronavirus. So he was talking to Bob Nightingale from the USA Today, and uh, Nightingale asked West about the 130,000 people who have passed away from COVID-19. And Joe West, longtime umpire, said that those statistics are not accurate. I don't care who's counting them. When country music singer Joe, I think Diffie, died, um, they said he died of coronavirus. He had stage four lung cancer. The coronavirus may have accelerated his death, but let's be realistic. Our system is so messed up. And they've emptied hospitals because there's no elective surgery. The government has been giving these hospitals extra money if someone dies of the coronavirus. So everybody that dies is because of coronavirus. I don't care if I get hit by a car. It's coronavirus. So Joe West, the reason why he was even asked is because, well, he's up there in age and was wondering why should Joe West be out there, you know, still umpiring. And he just says, you know what, coronavirus, I guess in his mind, is not... Not necessarily something he's uh, concerned about. There might be some out there that feel that the coronavirus is theoretical. Joe West also is one of them. Let me help you with your fantasy stats. Eric Carabell, Mr. Fantasy when it comes to fantasy baseball for ESPN.com. I talked to him earlier and I asked him about the DH position uh, as far as fantasy sports. You know, Kyle Schwarber wants to play the field, but is also looking forward to being a DH if that's what he's going to be called on to do by David Ross. Some thoughts now about the DH position and Schwarber. I think most teams are going to go with a committee, a designated hitter. Um, it's certainly the Cubs. Kyle Schwarber is not exactly uh, a gold glove type outfielder, let's put it that way. Well, he tries hard. He could be the regular DH. That would mean more playing time for him, which I think is good. So I think most National League teams in general are going to go with some kind of committee. The Reds could have a platoon at DH. The Phillies might do the same thing with Jay Bruce and a right-handed hitter. The biggest change that the DH makes in fantasy baseball, having a universal DH, is more National League hitters become relevant, and perhaps the divide between National League pitchers and American League pitchers goes away. Uh, there used to be, you know, when in doubt, take an NL pitcher because the league ERA in the NLL, in the NL is like a half a run lower. That's going to go away now. In fact, the NL might have a higher league ERA than the American League. So, to me, this uh, makes it more even for starting pitching, and it gives more opportunity. Howie Kendrick should play every day for Washington now. This is a good thing, and we know it in fantasy, and I'm tired of watching pitchers hit anyway. Eric Carabell also talks about young players. Keep in mind that in these 60 games we're going to have for this season, we're going to see a lot of young players that maybe wouldn't get a chance to play normally. But you know, on the south side of town, the White Sox have a number of young players. How's that factor in fantasy? Luis Robert looks like he could be special. Um, We have him going in the first 10 rounds of a draft, which is very rare for a rookie. Although he's not really a rookie, he's inexperienced at this level, but we know he can play. We know he can steal bases. So I think he's going to be very good. Neely Jimenez. I think the White Sox have a terrific lineup here. A nice mix of balance between old players, young players. They have speed. They have um, Magical, who could do some nice things as well if they give him a chance to play. So to me, the White Sox are very interesting. The, the, the big talk around prospects right now is and the top prospects in fantasy baseball that we think are going to play this year, Dylan Carlson of the Cardinals, uh, Mackenzie Gore of the Padres, Nate Pearson of the Blue Jays. Expect prospects to start the season in the minor leagues, but only for about a week. And then their time clock switches over to where franchises get an extra year of control. So it's just a week. 
So if you're thinking about drafting like Nate Pearson and Don Carson, they're going to be in the majors, but you just got to be a little bit patient. And these are going to be real X factors in fantasy this season. Nate Pearson throws the ball 100 miles per hour. He, he could be among the strikeout leaders, and there's no innings cap on these guys because they're only making nine or ten starts as it is. So thoughts there from Eric Carabell, uh, fantasy baseball expert from ESPN.com. And catch his columns are always great, really breaking down uh, position by position players that you could be able to capture for fantasy baseball. Jonathan Hood with you here on the Baseball Show, presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We're on every day after Waddle and Sylvie at 6 o'clock. And don't forget to check out the podcast. If you missed the show live, it's always there for you, the baseball show, right there on the ESPN Chicago app. Some other news and notes for you as far as highlights of the 2021 schedule includes the Dodgers are going to begin their home schedule with a three-game series against the Washington Nationals from April 9th through the 11th, the rematch of their five-game National League Division Series in 2019. The Braves are going to take on the Cardinals for four across Father's Day weekend from June the 17th through the 20th, the rematch of their five-game National League Division Series in 2019. The final day of the 2021 regular season schedule will feature 12 divisional games, so there could be some chaos there toward the end of the 2021 season. So uh, here's hoping that we do have a season. Tyler, let's go to um, Buster Olney. Let me just get to him quickly because I know he was on Golik and Wingo this morning. And so still on the minds, I think, of a lot of baseball fans is, you know, when will will we have the full 60 games? Will we have playoffs? And if COVID-19 starts to overrun Major League Baseball more than it has already, is there a plan B for Major League Baseball? No, I, I don't think there's. There wouldn't be enough time. The, the practical, the practicality of it is that the calendar would run out for them to make an adjustment that big. Look, all these teams, when we talk about sites where they're playing, you know, they, they build. They're building in safety nets, a B, a C, a D. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me at some point, for example, if you see a spike in numbers in, in one particular municipality, if a team winds up playing in a minor league park or shifting to another major league park, I, I think they're open-minded. But the fact is, is that, you know, as I, the, the analogy I've used is that baseball is a rowboat in a hurricane. And I think to, to make that big of an adjustment, just there just simply wouldn't be enough time for that. Uh, so, I mean, a big, big comment there by Buster Olney. The plan B, uh, again, a lot of these sports are doing fly-by-night scheduling and trying to figure out what to do with COVID-19. It is a a big question mark. You know, if you're a baseball fan like I am, yeah, you like to see these 60 games. You like to be able to see what the playoffs bring because we haven't seen a sprint like this before, unless you lived in the 1800s when we only had a few games like this. But this is the first time we've had a schedule like this since the um, the late 1800s. How does this work now in 2020? Well, we'll see what happens. All I know is I keep following on Twitter um, some of these uh, teams that are having their simulated games. It's fun to see them out there. It's just weird with no fans. But this is our new norm here in 2020. So what we got to deal with right now until things start to change. Coming up, Tyler and I will give you our 545 that is coming up as you are listening to the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company right here. Four balls, three strikes, a double play, and one place to hear the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The baseball show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. 
Follow the baseball show on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. Glad that you are with us. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. And now it is time for five four five. Ah, yes. Five for five. We've got five topics in five minutes. Tyler Key, give us five topics in five minutes. All right, Hoodie. Today's theme is all about changes and being the new kid in school. Number of moves, whether it's rules or players or managers, so we're going to touch them all here. So we will start with this first one. Who are some of the big impact new players in both the AL Central and the NL Central? Well, in the AL Central, of course, aside from the White Sox with Grandal and Encarnacion and having Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez part of the team, in the American League Central would be Josh Donaldson. Um, you think about last year, Minnesota already had 307 home runs, which was a, a ton of home runs for the Twins under Rocco Baldelli, but Donaldson is big. And I also think that the Indians, it's, it's interesting I like to know what the Indians will be like in 2021-2022 because when you trade Kluber for young players, it makes me think that maybe there's going to be a changing of the guard for the Indians. So that would be my American League Central. The National League Central, not a lot of movement, but I, this is why the Reds are one of the favorites. When I look at Pakoda, I see what's going on with the Reds. Moustakis having Castellanos on this team. Tyler, to me, that that's those are the major moves and really the only moves of significance in the National League Central. And don't forget the Japanese player they got as well, Shogo Akiyama. Also added to that Reds roster. All right, number two, we've got new managers, 10 of them to be specific, but we're not going to count Dusty Baker in this exercise because he is brought in more by circumstance. So I ask you, of all of the new managers, so the nine minus if we subtract Dusty Baker, how many will make the playoffs in 2020? <sighs> um, let's see, I, I don't know why you're taking... <laughs> Why are you taking Dusty out of the mix? Well, because he, the- he wasn't someone who was necessarily going to have a job. Like, that should be A.J. Hinch's job, per se, at least under normal circumstances, if there wasn't a cheating scandal. Okay, so... And I feel like they also- have too much of an inside track. Like, A.J. So, Hinch wasn't really fired for baseball reasons. No, that's true. So, Rojas from the Mets, I think I could see them as a wild card. Um, I would say that's one. Girardi with the Phillies, two. Ross with the Cubs, three. Ron Renneke with the Red Sox four, and I think I might stop right there. Don't believe Kansas City and the Giants are ready, or no the Joe Pirates Madden? with Shelton. No, no. Okay, okay. No. How about how about that? How about those off the top of my head? All right, I like it. All right, <laughs> next up, biggest ad on each side of town here in Chicago. Well, you know, I was going back and forth. And thinking, as you say that, uh, about Grand Dollar Keiko and which one I want to choose. So I'll I'll side with Keiko because I've always thought that the the White Sox need to be able to have someone to solidify that rotation. And I think that uh, Keiko being on this team solidifies that pitching staff. You talk about a thirty one year old lefty who's been there and done that. I think he's going to be pretty good with this rotation. He's a two time All Star. Uh, so if I'm going to pick one for the Sox, that would be Keiko on the Cubs side because they didn't make a lot of moves. You know, I'm thinking that the the choice that they make, the newcomer, has not come here yet. Somehow, they've got to be able to find a closer somewhere in the taxi squad, somewhere somewhere on the scrap heap if they can. they got to find someone to close. There's no one on the roster that stands out to me as as a newcomer. They didn't have any. Maybe the newcomer is to come at some point. I like that. I like that approach there. I think uh, Jeremy Jeffress is maybe the only guy you could maybe squeeze an answer out of. But that's about it. And I like the, the Keiko pick on the other side. 
Next up, rookie of the year in each league. Man, uh, boy, there's so many candidates for this, right? So, rookie of the year, uh, I'm going to say the Tigers are not going to have a great year, but I like Casey Mize. I mean, that that's one guy from the American League Central that I'm going to be looking, keeping my eyes on. That's one guy. Obviously, Robert for the White Sox, for everything we see in summer camp, that looks great. Um, a couple other names. Uh, how about McKay from the, the the Rays? I could see the Rays, by the way, McKay, making the playoffs. Yeah. What about him? That's I like that pick. I think with the the AL, you you look at there's a number of pitchers, whereas the NL is mostly position players. I mm-hmm. I kind of shy away from the pitchers because of the fact that this is a truncated season. Maybe you're going to get some sort of injuries, and that can really mess with some of that. It's just so many pitchers, though, in the American League. So right. uh, Palumbo for the Rangers is a left-handed pitcher that you can look at. Um, the Astros would force Whitley, again, a young, a young player. But, you know, the pitching is going to be a, it's gonna be a lot of pitching. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of bullpen help, I think, in these 60 games. Yeah, and then in the NL, I think it's, I think it's Gavin Lux or Bust. I don't, I don't think there's much yeah. of a, a competition there. Lastly, which of the new rules is going to have the biggest impact on this 2020 season? I will say just the idea that we won't have uh, extra innings lasting 18, 19 innings. We're going to be able to have a runner at second base. Someone is on the base paths. I think that that's going to be a rule that I've been looking for for a long time. You know, it's baseball. You don't need 19, 20 inning classics anymore. It's 2020. Get, you know, after a few extra inning innings, get someone on base so you can score. I'm going to go with the three batter minimum here. Because I think that this is going to be something that managers are going to have a lot of getting used to for. Whereas the the other, the runner on second base, uh, it just shortens your games, really. So we'll see how, how a lot of managers deal with all of this. And that, my friends, is 5 for 5 right here on the Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Talk to you tomorrow at 6, under the hood in two minutes, right here on ESPN 1000. You've been listening to The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. If you miss something, you can always get the podcast on your time. Click the Baseball Show tile on the new ESPN Chicago app. Join us weeknights at 6 for The Baseball Show, presented by the Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000.